0: Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Hey, listeners, welcome back to the Oxygen Starved podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversation from 11,000 feet. I'm Christopher and I'm here with Stacy.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: And we're also here with producer Doug. Hey Doug. Hey.
1: Good morning. How are you guys
0: doing? Good. We're doing great. Thank you. So, um, Stace, let's let's jump right into the adventure. It's mid-September in the Eastern Sierra. Tell me what it's all about.
1: Well, there's snow on the ground this morning, <laughs> if you noticed when you drove in, which is not unusual. Usually really? we I've been here seventeen years now and Usually every September we're good for one dusting yeah. of snow. Yeah. So that came in the last few days. And with snow comes winds, and we have right. a new reality in the, the eastern Sierra now. Yeah,
0: we do. We should say we are recording in mid-September, so you're yeah. listening to this a little bit after the fact. But we, the whole county, Mono County, just experienced its first uh, planned power outage. Yes, a
1: public safety power shutoff. And our power company is Southern California Edison. So right. in light of the, the large fires that uh, took place in other counties in California, mm-hmm. uh, the power companies are trying to avoid more right. of those. Um, and so one way to do that is to just cut the power.
0: Which, you know, if you've been listening to us for the last few episodes, a couple episodes we had Teal Malper's on who talked mm-hmm. about living in Mono County off the grid. So the entire population pretty much went off the mm-hmm. grid for about a day, day and a half yes. earlier this week.
1: Without any notice. Right. And so that was, there wasn't a lot of an opportunity to prepare, <laughs> but uh, everybody survived. Yeah, and we're we're learning the lessons from it now. So if if and when this happens again, everybody. We'll be better informed and better prepared and,
0: right. and, and, and we'll we should, move on. We should say, it, 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 both of us were driving that day. I yes. drove north to Colville and back yep. on the 395 corridor, and it was seriously windy. The car was being buffeted all around. I was thinking to myself, if this were winter and it were snow, I wouldn't be on the road at all. Right. Um, and, you know, driving by Mono Lake and Crowley Lake that day, there were white caps on those lakes. It could have been the ocean,
1: and that that will happen when we get these huge winds. I was driving back from Sacramento, so I was a little behind the mm-hmm. worst of the winds, and I was just getting you know texts every five minutes. the power 's out. What do we do i 'm cutting the <laughs> servers i 'm doing this, the power 's out and so from Sacramento to home to to the center of Mono County to Mammoth. Uh, is about a five hour drive right and then it's a little further to get to my home right. so when I got to my home the power was completely off and it was like going back to little house on the prairie days <laughs> it, it was kind of kind of funny getting used to all that you again got, you, you, you
0: have candles and all that good stuff
1: oh yeah uh, you were fortunate at least we have gas Our stove Mm -hmm. is a gas stove, Mm -hmm. so we could at least, you know, boil water for pasta. So we had we some dinner. You did starve. We did not starve. Um, But we did. And, you know, we... Fundraising in our schools Mm -hmm. is a big deal Mm -hmm. because we don't have big corporations or Mm -hmm. things like that to support our schools. So it all comes from fundraising and Yankee Candles are sold by multiple organizations every year. So, mm-hmm. of course, what do we have in our house?
0: Yankee Candles. Tons
1: of Yankee Candles. And if you're familiar with Yankee Candles, you know they're scented. <laughs> so, so do you
0: have a variety of scents or do you had, stick with one?
1: No, we have a variety because, you know, the children, everybody has a different opinion <laughs> and you have to have... Uh, Everybody have to appease everybody. So we had a multitude of scents, everything from like a lemon Mm. balm. I mean, they have these crazy scents to like, you know, Christmas time in the forest. And, (laughs) you know, elves (laughs) hopping. I mean, it's just, it's crazy the the names that these candles have. So
0: when you light a bunch of them at once, what happens?
1: It it creates a cacophony of scent.
0: A <laughs> cacophony how about of that? scent. I love I that phrase. I think that might
1: be a mixed metaphor. But um, <laughs> And I'll tell you, we're recording this three days after. Mm-hmm. the th- and, and when I walk into my house, it still smells, still smells. like the cacophony of scent. It's, <laughs> I'm like, well, how am I ever going to? And it's been too cold to keep the doors right. open and let the air come in. Right. I'm pretty over it.
0: That's pretty hilarious. But it's it, you know it was all a lesson for all of us. Many yeah. of us who aren't regular campers or regular hikers yeah. don't have those you know portable lights and portable things ready just to come out of the closet at Absolutely. a moment's notice. So. Right,
1: and yeah, and you do, and you don't think about it too. I mean, I walked around my house all night when I'd go from room to room and it was dark. I'd hit the light switch. Yeah, to, of course. To, oh yeah, duh! I forgot. There's no power. Yeah. But we but got through we it We
0: got through it And today's a new day Rainbows this morning yep. Dusting of snow on the hills A beautiful yep. way to start a day yes. So
1: Still a little breezy But hopefully No more Power outages for This For a week. while Yeah We'll be But ready. again
0: New reality So we'll be ready And we had no major fires out of that's it That's right So
1: and it's yeah, all a good thing Everybody was Safe That's right
0: So we're safe Hopefully you're safe Time for an oxygen break We'll be right back
1: you're in the
2: dark and you want to see. You need a electricity, electricity. Flip that switch and what do you, you get? You get electricity, electricity.
0: Every
1: room can Welcome back, be listeners. It is time for the books part, the B part of our show today.
0: One of my favorite parts.
1: Well, it's, this is kind of like Christmas time for you as a librarian this time it of year, isn't is. it? It is.
0: It totally is, Stacey. You know, I was actually thinking that exact thing as I was driving up this morning. This we, is like Christmas so time. We are way too in sync. We <laughs> should start a band, <laughs> a boy band that lip syncs to stuff. Anyway, let's get back on track. It's the books part of our segment and Stacy's over there laughing uproariously. She's had to step away from the microphone. So let's talk about why this is Christmas time for librarians and, and book lovers. It's the fall. We're recording this in mid-September. It's going to come out kind of mid-October, but we'll be in what's the middle of what's called the fall publishing season. So for people who might not be familiar with what that is, traditionally, most books that get published in the States for decades and decades have been brought out in two waves, the fall and the spring. The fall typically is like your heavy hitters, big name authors, thick biographies, cookbooks, coffee table books, things that would help people would want to read as they go into the cold seasons or would want to give as gifts because the holiday season is right on the heel of the fall publishing season. And then the spring is like your summer books that are coming out traditionally. Those aren't as strict as they used to be, but by and large, the seasons still happen. And this fall season is running from basically August to mid-November. And it's a great season. There's some big authors. We've got Salman Rushdie. We've had Taya Obrecht's new book. So there's some really great stuff out.
1: So is this kind of like in the what I've heard, I don't know this for a fact, but what I've heard like about the movie industry, like Mm -hmm. when they schedule a big blockbuster, they look and see what else is coming out. Do book publishers do that too? Like, oh, no, you know this one's coming out with... J.K. Rowling has a new book coming out. I don't want to release my book the same day. Entirely,
0: that- yes. That that There's a lot of strategy that goes into it, and it's exactly that. Most big books come out on a Tuesday, if you notice, on a week. Oh. So go to your bookstore or library on a Tuesday to see the new books. And um, actually, some authors will negotiate that. And and fun fact, I think it was John Grisham who was the first one to actually pull his books out of the season. He would publish really? his books before the spring. So he was a big name author, had the shelves to himself and made a lot of money. So that's why it started to break down. But yes, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. So what we decided we would do for you, our listeners, this year is talk a little bit about some books that we've read from this fall season or are reading. And as well, there are some books that are still coming out. So books that we're excited to read when they do come out. So we've each picked a couple, and we'll chat them up with you. So, Stacey, what have you picked?
1: Well, my, the book that I f- chose to focus on, I'm actually reading right now, and mm-hmm. it is, it's already out. It's available okay. in your libraries and in your bookstores. Um, but it's The Testaments, which is Margaret Atwood's sequel, 34 years later, mm-hmm. to The Handmaid's Tale and right. it is really good. Is it? I I re- I am really like I can't wait to get home every day when it's my reading time and <laughs> and dive in. Um it's it's a lot different than the handmaid's tale. Okay. Um was it's it's almost written like a Every segment, there are three main characters who are telling the story, and it's kind of in between, if you read The Handmaid's Tale, for our listeners, it's kind of what happens in between the end of The Handmaid's Tale and where the epilogue starts.
0: Oh, I was going to ask you, does does it kind of fit within it? Okay.
1: Yeah. And if I have not watched the television series, so I don't really know anything about what that's like, um... But the it's it's three different... Well, one of the three characters is the same. She's a carryover from the first book. From the book. original book. The okay. other two characters are new. And it's just fascinating how she's unveiling this story. I don't know where it's going to go. Great. I haven't read anything to spoil it for me. So I'm just really enjoying it right now. And if you liked The Handmaid's Tale and want to know kind of where... What happened... I'd check it out. And from what I've seen, it it doesn't retell the television show. It's a, right. it's, it's a standalone. It's completely standalone. And what I've read in inter, from interviews with her is that she says it's up to the producers of the show to, if they want to take some of it. Right. But she doesn't really have anything to do with that.
0: I think so. it must be interesting as an author to revisit... Um, a story or a concept that you wrote so many years ago and probably never expected to go back to.
1: I, I think you're right. And I wonder if the current events that are happening with, with mm-hmm. our government and with regard to women's reproductive rights and mm-hmm. some of the things that are happening in our society today gave her kind of the the push to say, you know what, I, I need to, I have something to say about all of this. Because yeah. it is you know there are definitely parallels in mm-hmm. within the text to the kind of things that are happening today and who would have thought they yeah. would be
0: It's definitely one of the bigger books of the season. And, you know, Margaret Atwood has long been a fan of literacy Mm -hmm. and is a big supporter of libraries globally. She speaks about her support for libraries and bookstores and and reading. So, um, you know, she's not just a great writer. She's an advocate for Mm -hmm. what books can mean. So, Yeah. um, yeah.
1: She reminds me in a way of one of my favorite young I guess now you call it young adult fiction. I Mm -hmm. don't know if this would be children's. I think it's more young adult. One of my favorite authors of that genre is Lois Lowry. Oh, right. Who writes all these Mm post-apocalyptic stories. She wrote The Giver and Mm -hmm. Gathering Blue. And and Margaret Atwood, for me, is kind of reminiscent of that Mm -hmm. style of writing, but for adults, Adults. for sure. So I'm really, really enjoying that. And then... Two books that I'm really looking forward to that are have not been released yet. Um, of course, Elton John is coming out with his memoir, his
0: autobiography. His
1: autobiography. If you, I did see the movie Rocket oh, Man. Oh my gosh! We'll
0: have to have a separate episode where we talk about the I, movie because we probably have some opinions.
1: I think so, probably. I'm sure we do. <laughs> um, but you know, in seeing that, I. You know, Elton John, my the very first record album, and yes, I am old enough to have had vinyl mm-hmm. I ever bought was an Elton John record and played it till I wore it out. Um, so really excited about that. And then there's another book called Privilege, uh, which is a story about uh, gender and class representation, mm-hmm on a Southern college campus. Mm. And I do love reading books that are set in education because I'm, that's what I do.
0: Who's the author on that? Do you have that handy? I,
1: I don't have that handy, but we'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. For sure. So Did, it is, it is a first book for this, for
0: this author, Debut author, it's a debut yeah. novel. Yeah. So, um, do you like Donna Tartt's uh, Secret History? Did you read that I, one?
1: I did not.
0: You need to read that okay. if you like books set on college campuses. I that's
1: did read book. Prep and, uh, of course, uh, Tom, the great Tom Wolfe. Right. I read I Am Charlotte Simmons. Oh, and, right. Oh, my God. What a, what a story. We'll have to talk about that sometime, Another too. episode. Yes. Let's
0: flag that one. Yeah.
1: How about you, Christopher?
0: Well, as usual, I have more than three, so I'm going to talk really quickly. <laughs> The first book i'm going to talk about is called will my cat eat my eyeballs by caitlin dowdy um hopefully that got your attention. Caitlin is a mortician. She's kind of a young and hip mortician. She got fascinated with kind of death and funeral homes and everything as a young person and um, studied it and became a mortician and as well kind of um, an advocate for funeral practices and options for people so that people understand that they, it's you don't just have to be cremated or buried in a box. There are other things you can do and as well tries to kind of pull back the curtain from what Happens around death so that we're not afraid to talk about it. And so she has this web series called Ask a Mortician, which is really popular. She's written a couple of books already. For this book, she has assembled a bunch of questions from kids that have asked her questions. So this is a book geared towards young people. So it's a little bit lighter, um, but entertaining and very factual. So just to give you an example of some of the questions that she answers, there's the title one, Will a Cat Eat My Eyeballs If you know, I Die and No One Finds Me But I Have a Pet? You know, what will happen? That's a good question. It is a good question. Kids ask good questions. They do. The other questions they've asked, just a couple more, were, can we give grandma a Viking funeral? So she goes into what it would take to give a Viking funeral, and whether it's oh, possible or not. That's amazing. And my favorite, which we probably have all have heard our parents or grandparents say to us when we were growing up, if I died making a stupid face, would it be like that forever? So uh, Caitlin Doughty, it's a great, it's a short book. It's probably mostly appropriate for upper middle schoolers into high schoolers. She asks, answers these questions very factually, um, but also with an entertaining twist, a little bit of humor and a little bit of snark. Um, but yeah, a fun, fun book.
1: I, I love when adults treat kids respectfully. And she and totally that's, does. that's, that's really important to me.
0: Well, one of the things I understand is that she had um, experienced death experienced an incident as a child, but at that time people just didn't talk about it. And so she always kind of wondered about it. And so she really wants kids to get a little bit more comfortable with understanding what it is. Right. So the other book that I wanted to recommend, which I'm just now finishing and it's already on our shelves. It came out in September. is called Our Dogs Ourselves by Alexandra Horowitz. For dog lovers out there, and I hope all of you are, Alexandra Horowitz is already pretty well known. She's written a couple of books already called Inside of a Dog and Being a Dog. She's a academic researcher on canines. Oh, okay. And so for this take, she's um, putting the mirror back on dog owners. And so what do we as humans do in interacting with our pets and how do we treat them? And it's pretty fascinating, you know, um, how we name dogs and how that's changed over time and why, how we interact with them, how we understand that they all have their individual personalities, but, you know, legally they're treated like furniture. So, you know, it's kind of a weird little dichotomy, but it has evolved over time. She kind of, she cites one kind of disturbing fact, which I didn't know, which was in their recent not too distant past, it wasn't uncommon, I guess, for people who were going on vacation who didn't want to pay to board their pets to have the dogs euthanized and then go on vacation, right? So uh, hopefully we've all moved beyond that, Um, you know, but she kind of like talks about different points in history and how dogs have really evolved as family pets. And so Dog Lovers totally, you know, recommend that book.
1: I want to check it out. I didn't know there was a like an ethos or a way that we name our pets that there are people that even studied that, that that could have changed over time.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm trying to remember the exact detail. At one point it wasn't uncommon to name a pet after a dead child. Um, yeah. So, but just reading the different dog names that people name their dogs is kind of just funny and fascinating to me. Interesting. Um, the third book I'm going to recommend is a novel. It's, The newest novel, Erin Morgenstern's The Starless Sea. If you listened to our last episode, you heard me talk about um, The Night Circus, which was her debut novel. came out many years ago. We've all been eagerly awaiting her second novel, which is this one, The Starless Sea. It's another fantasy book. Um, I'm about a third of the way through it, so I'm not going to give away any spoilers. But I will say it has the expected tropes that you would expect if you're a fantasy reader. There's a kind of a hapless outsider protagonist. There's you know, a secret door to another world. And she actually takes that to the to many ingenious levels. There's a mystery book found in a dark corner of a library that no one else seems to have ever touched, but has some mystical meaning. And then there are like people who walk among us who know all about this stuff and are trying to control the events and blah, blah, blah. That one's The Starless Sea by Aaron Morganson. I'm reading it slowly.
1: And does that, is it a sequel to The Night Circus or can it be read independently?
0: No, it's a completely different story. Um, And I will say, again, I'm only a third of the way through it. I have no idea how it's going to play out, but... um, Similar to The Night Circus, it's very detailed, very layered. And if you like atmospheric mm-hmm. books, again, this was my palate cleanser genre, right? right? right. Um, and I really like books with atmosphere and detail, and this one has it um, in spades. Awesome. So that's The Starless Sea. A couple books I'm really excited that are coming out and should be out about the time or shortly after that this this podcast airs are from Bill Bryson, Bill Bryson, the Love humorist, him. he's essayist. He's really kind of an entertaining read and entertaining listen. If you listen to him in audiobooks. he's got a new book coming out on the human body in mid-October. And then another one is coming out from Timothy Egan, an award-winning author. His new book is an exploration of faith and Christianity and how it's evolved through a pilgrimage from Canterbury to Rome, which he recreates. He starts out in England and apparently walks to Rome with hopes of meeting the Pope. And along the way, you know, brings out the history of Mm -hmm. pilgrimages, but also the meaning of faith um, over time. And I like those kind of books. So um, I'm looking forward to that one as well. I think that one comes out in late October. And I should mention Aaron Morgenstern's novel comes out at the beginning of November. So That's again, nice. a great season, yeah. a lot of great authors. There's other stuff we didn't talk about. Zadie Smith, ta Coates, Jacqueline Woodson, um, John Le Carre, who's 87 and still plugging out spy novels. Amazing. It's a great fall season. So go check right. out your library, check out your bookstore.
1: We will put links to all the books that we have right. mentioned in our, on our website and in our show notes. So please check that out and let us know what you're reading. Absolutely. Take a break. Take a breath. We'll be right back.
0: Ample oxygen is a basic requirement for human molecular metabolism.
1: So welcome back, listeners.
0: We are now in the C part of our ABCs, the conversation where we bring you an individual from the Eastern Sierra who does something interesting. So um, we are really pleased today to be joined by our colleague Molly Trausch from the Eastern Sierra Interpretive Association. Welcome, Molly. Welcome. Thank you.
1: We're happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Great. So, Molly, tell us, what was the adventure that brought you to Mono County?
2: Well, it all started about a decade ago. My husband and I, we would come out here to adventure. Uh, We lived in Salt Lake City, Utah at the time. That's where I'm from. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we would come out once or twice a a year to go climbing or skiing or see some friends out here. Mm -hmm. And we just got hooked and... (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'll never forget the first time that I saw the Eastern Sierra. We rolled in in the middle of the night, and oh, then yeah. I woke up and I just was staring at Mount Tom in awe, yeah. <laughs> and I was hooked. <laughs> and that'll that'll
1: happen. Right. I, you know, it, it's funny because I'm s- not surprised at no. how many of our guests have told us similar stories yeah. that once they got here and looked in awe at our the mountains. Mm-hmm. They couldn't leave.
2: Yeah. Well, the I, mountains around great. Salt
0: Lake aren't chump change either. Oh, they're not
2: at beautiful. all. Yeah. 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 They're great. Uh, but there's something special about this place. Yeah. And I just fell in love. And we would come every year. We actually got married in Tioga Pass. Oh. Yeah. So we fell in love here and I just fell in love with this oh, place. It's wonderful. That's so, great. It's a special place to me. And my background is actually in geology. Really? Yeah. So, uh, I fell in love with the place, but also I was just fascinated with the geology, the volcanic history, the right. Sierra Range itself. Um, yeah. So I, I, as we came every year, I mm-hmm. had this binder full of scientific papers.
0: <laughs> I love that.
2: Cause I was in college and I was just I wanted to know everything about the bishop Teff, You name it. Right, <laughs> that's funny. Every year it would just grow and grow and grow, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's quite large now. My husband is a geologist oh, also, awesome.
1: and he would when he was in college, they'd come up here for field trips. So yep. right, he had a very intimate. He didn't keep a binder though. That's a new <laughs> level.
0: That's
2: Total great. nerd status. <laughs> I love
0: it. I That's love one it. of the things I love. It's one of the things I love about the mountains here. Is you know, especially that transition from winter to summer when all the snow melts and it kind of exposes the yeah. variety of rock, uh, and you can kind of see how the mountains were formed and yeah. things wrinkling and coming in on each other and the different colors and everything. It's fascinating.
2: It's amazing. I just love
0: it. What I love about what you just said is so many of our guests have said I showed up with a snowboard. Yep. And here we've got one who's like, I showed up with my academic research. <laughs> yeah. I love that.
2: I was ready to learn.
1: <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. So now you're working with the Eastern Sierra Interpretive Association. Yeah. And tell us more about that organization and what your role is in within that.
2: Yeah. Please. So the Eastern Sierra Interpretive Association is where the no- official nonprofit partner of the National Forest and mm-hmm. BLM, National Parks. Mm-hmm. So we're with the Inyo National Forest, the Humboldt-Toyabe National Forest, and the oh. Tahoe National wow. Forest.
0: Three of them. I Three thought it was them. just Inyo. Wow.
2: No, we've expanded pretty it's significantly. big territory to yeah, cover. Yeah, it is. And we have uh, bookstores from Lone Pine all the way up to Tahoe. Wow. 17 bookstores in total where we sell educational products about the Eastern Sierra.
0: So, um, for our listeners, so if they're driving through the Eastern Sierra and they pull off, say at the mammoth visitor center, mm-hmm. they're visiting the center has forest service and a bookstore run by your organization. Exactly. That's what they're walking into. Then.
2: Yeah. Okay. So it's a, the, the one here is special cause it's a welcome center, right. but mm-hmm. it's, a it's the national forest, um, mm-hmm. building and, we operate the bookstore within it. So that's we're awesome. their agency partners. That's
1: and awesome. we sh- in case our listeners haven't been there, we should say these are quite large collections. Like you wouldn't think, I love them. They're my favorite part of all those. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, we should say that you'd think, oh yeah, okay. So it's got eight titles, like, you know, about all the different right. mountain ranges or, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But the collections are really quite,
2: Diverse. Larger
1: and more diverse than that. Do you want yeah. to talk
2: about that a little bit? Yeah, it's broad and every location, we s- try to sell products that are specific to that location. Mm-hmm. So like in Lone Pine, we have a lot of Mount Whitney material. Right mm-hmm. Up here, we have a lot of about the history of mammoths, right. mm-hmm. mammoth, story- mammoth storytelling. And uh, going up to Mono, Mono Basin Scenic Area Visitor Mm -hmm. Center. We have a bookstore in there, Mm -hmm. and it's all about Mono Lake. And it's just—it's really fun the variety that we sell and that we can offer to our customers.
0: I love the one at Mono Lake because it's Uh, right up there on like the top of a hill overlooking the lake with the mountains Mm. behind it. It's really just a stunning location for
1: anything.
2: It is. Yeah, kind of unexpected. It is. It really is. It kind of—it's propped up on that hill, and it has. I think, the best view of Mono Lake. <laughs> <laughs> and I love doing our patio talks out there. Um, yeah, it's a great time. It's a patio talk. Yeah, Tell so we operate these 17 different bookstores, and all the proceeds, well, not all the proceeds, most of the proceeds go towards funding our educational programs mm-hmm. or interpretive mm-hmm. programs. And one of them is our man, our Mono Basin patio talks, where every Tuesday, Thursday, we have a ESEA employee out on the patio that's overlooking Mono Lake, mm-hmm. and we give like a 10 to 30-minute talk wow. about the natural history of Mono Lake to and visitors.
1: Are those all, Do those only happen during the summer months or the high season? Or?
2: Yeah, during high season, okay. yeah. So it's coming to a close soon, but... Uh, yeah, we also have a lot of other programs, like our campfire programs, which is in the summer, mm-hmm. every single weekend, seven different campgrounds. And we cover topics ranging from geology, which is my favorite thing. Mm-hmm, of course. <laughs> to uh, we have a night talk and star talk at night. and That's in the bristlecone. That's in the right? bristlecone. That's yeah. beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: So people who are camping in these campgrounds are invited to come to some part of the campground mm-hmm. and just hear a talk. Can people who are not camping come of to these?
2: Of course, yeah. It's open to the public. It's free. It's family friendly. Awesome. It's a really fun time.
1: And is the information about where and when these are, are they on the web, are On a website or how do we, how yeah. do we find about, out so, about them?
2: Yeah, so it's on our website. It's on our Facebook page. Uh, we have a flyer all over town. So stay tuned for next summer. Well, in cool.
0: y- in your, I think this is fascinating. Like because I love programming for not just local people who live here, but programming for people who are traveling through. I just kind of want to understand a little bit more. So Mm -hmm. what do you, in your experience so far, what do you find people are most curious about? You know?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I had a, it was my first campfire talk at one of the campgrounds Mm -hmm. and I was, they
0: all blur together now.
2: They really do. (laughs) Um, But it was a geology talk. And of course I was very excited. And the camp host came up to me and they're like, Oh, we're not very excited about the geology. We want to listen to the little critters and mountain lions. So I'm like, okay, good to know, make more of those. But also we had a good turnout for most of our programs. And Had some great feedback, and I'm really excited to... We want to expand the amount of programs uh, and different topics, and yeah, it will be really fun.
0: So you work with the campground hosts? We do. So campground hosts are, for our listeners who aren't familiar, are people who basically run a campground out in the wilderness right. during the open season. So people who are retired or people who love that kind of like trailer lifestyle or motorhome lifestyle can oh, yeah. be a host. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's, I think it's an amazing dream job.
1: It would be a fun like post-retirement thing to do. Right. You know,
2: oh, it's pick not, where you want to yeah. go. It's something that I've always talked about today. (laughs) (laughs) But now you're also doing some work with Christopher in the library. Yes. So what's that been like? Yeah. So I'm helping out with story time. Mm -hmm. It started out at the Mammoth Branch Library once a month. And I I come in and read a story about, it's usually a nonfiction, Mm -hmm. about the local wildlife or agriculture or... Anything really to spark kids' interest mm-hmm. in the natural world. Yeah. And now we're going to expand up to Bridgeport and mm-hmm. Levining. Vining.: It's so exciting. Thank I you love for it. that. Uh, it's my favorite part of the month. <laughs> I <laughs> love reading <laughs> to do the kids. Do kids get the, do they ask great
1: questions? Or, they know, do, what, What's yeah. been a topic that they've been most interested in?
2: Um, let's see. Always bears. I mean, all kids <laughs> love bears, right? And there's, they we see bears here. Bears. Exactly, yes. yeah. And we see bears in mammoths. Right. So it's just, they can relate to it. And in this way, they can learn about the bears in a different setting. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah.
0: Now, the kids have loved it. You know, anything that's about nature or Mm -hmm. the outside. And I think the parents really appreciate it too, because it's something different and they know that their kids are going to come away with something Mm -hmm. and that that's something they can share next time they're out on a Saturday walk, you know, in the Sherwins or something like that. It's a little bit more resonant, you know, as a family. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Definitely.
2: And I recognized one of the parents one week and I was like, hey, how are you? And she's like, oh, I came to your campfire talk last weekend. Awesome. Like, oh. This is great. It's all coming around. <laughs> that's, aw- that's really yeah. great. So people in the community really want to learn. Yeah. And that's what EC is here for. Where mm-hmm. Our mission is to educate and inspire the public about the Eastern Sierra. So, so great. It's awesome. It's do you, awesome. It's do, you
0: do these programs year we talked about the seasonality of mm-hmm. some of the programming, but is there like indoor programming happening year round or?
2: Yeah. So I talked about our summer programs, but we also, we have year round programs. So during the school year, we work with the Inyo County Office of Education mm-hmm. where we help with the Taking Root program, which okay. is for third graders. It's a monthly program where we take them outside and we teach them about outdoor education and how to think like a naturalist.
0: Oh, wow. And it's just so
2: much fun. And we are starting this month, and it runs till May. And then we also help with the Inyo Inyo County Office of Mm -hmm. Education with their Eastern Sierra Watershed Project. Okay. And we take uh, 2nd, 4th, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders (laughs) in our local schools, uh, and we take them outside, kind of similar, but we Mm -hmm. teach them about water quality uh, and the water cycle watersheds and we actually take field measurements and then that that data gets used in the lower owens river project and that data gets used to actually monitor how healthy the owens river is very cool so the kids are helping with science using hands-on work and it's really fun. Well, we have to get you up here into I the would, Mono
1: County schools. <laughs> and you're in the right place to have that conversation. You I was not,
2: hoping for that. So yes,
1: let's talk. You may not after, get out of the bed. Right?
2: That's great. It's so much fun. Um, yeah. And we also, in the winter, we offer a snow school program where we take fifth graders out and teach them about snow science. Oh, wow. And Very we cool. take them snowshoeing and teach them how to travel safely on the snow. And it's just a really fun program. And we have different events throughout the year, like the much anticipated Eastern Sierra History Conference.
0: That's coming up in the end of October, right? End of
2: October, October 25th to 27th. And where will that be held? That is at Snarl Page Center Okay. here in Mammoth. Excellent. Yeah, and we have some amazing speakers coming uh, local authors, historians, scholars, and just to talk about the amazing, rich history in the area. Yeah. And we'll put yeah. a
1: link to that for our listeners if you're interested in attending. Yeah. Absolutely. will put some information for you.
2: That would be great. Yeah. yeah.
0: Is there anything, like, so you've been here now about a decade, you said, or been well, coming here at least about a decade?
2: Coming here about a decade. We moved here in April sound pretty Oh, so full pretty time fresh. is really yeah. fresh. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Yeah.
1: And you got to experience the big snow of, <laughs> in May. Yeah. The never ending winter yeah. that was the winter of 2019.
2: Yeah. We skied a lot. It yeah. Was great. Of course. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. I loved it.
0: Is there anything, so in the few months you've been here full time, mm-hmm. is there anything unexpected that you learned about the Eastern Sierra that you hadn't anticipated?
2: It's a great question. Um, the community, Yeah, it is, so we have Mammoth, mm-hmm. we have Lee Vining, we have June Lake and we have Bishop and other places in between and everyone is a community and it's not these separate, I always thought of them as separate towns mm-hmm. and I don't know, it's just opened my eyes to the Eastern Sierra is one big community yeah. who care about yeah. the Eastern Sierra. You're um, absolutely right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It kind of goes back earlier in the show, we were talking about the recent power outages. Oh, yeah. And you know, that was one thing that I saw, too, was how everybody was offering help mm-hmm. to others yeah. who might be without power longer than right. some and what have you. And, you know, you've touched on something very true about this area is that we all support each other. We do. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's something I enjoy about it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's also just a mindset and appreciation for where we live, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're a rancher or a miner or work in the tourist industry or
2: Or a geologist. Or a
0: geologist, right?
2: Yeah, and everyone's so happy. That's another thing. (laughs) 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 I don't know, but everyone is just so happy here.
0: (laughs) That's great. Yeah. That's true. I would concur with that. Generally, people are pretty chill.
1: I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so Molly,
2: we always ask our guests, "What are you reading now?" I love that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right now, I'm I just started this book called Lab Girl by Hope Jahren, okay. and it is just I'm enthralled by it. It's it's such an amazing book because it's it's her memoir, pretty much, and she. She's a scientist, and she's talking about these scientific ideas and what she's what she's researched. But she does it in such a poetic way, really. And uh, it just hits home for me. Like she was studying this berry on a tree, and it had a mineral around it. So mm-hmm. she went into the lab. And analyzed the mineral. She was all by herself. It was in the middle of the night. Took me back to grad school. <laughs> <laughs> and she describes the feeling of seeing what, seeing the pattern from the, the machine. And she's like, oh, I know exactly what mineral that is. And I'm the only one who knows oh, wow. that that mineral in that berry right now that I'm looking at is opal.
0: That's amazing. Wow. And
2: it just takes me back cuz that's it brings it home to me and the way she describes it is just it you're there and she's just an amazing writer.
0: It's just like that the joy great. of discovery, right? And exactly. that, and that moment where you've discovered it and yeah. you have this knowledge and it's kind of exciting cuz you know the knowledge is going to yeah. get out there.
2: Yeah. Lab girl. Lab so are girl. you more of a nonfiction reader, do you think I love nonfiction, but I'm a sucker for mystery okay. and uh, <laughs> historical fiction, <laughs> you Great. name it. Yeah.
0: So you read awesome. all across, that's awesome. Oh
2: yeah. And I'm I definitely read more than one book at a time. So So
1: you're like Christopher yeah. Although yeah. I'm I am slowly morphing. You're getting into a there. Multi- yeah. <laughs> Tome reader.
2: I'm trying to go back to one book at a time because really? sometimes I get a little confused. Like, wait, what's what, happening? <laughs> what character? Yeah, I which character? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which book am I reading? <laughs> well, that's great, and yeah. we will we will
1: share that title yeah. and author with our listeners great. in case they want to check it out too. Yeah, it's, it's been wonderful having you here. Totally, thank, thank you so much. This has been so much fun.
0: It has been fun. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Of
1: course, and thank you for having me. Come back again. I will.
2: Okay, <laughs>
1: great. Well, thanks, listeners, uh, for tuning in to this episode of the Oxygen Starve podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. The reviews help us increase our visibility and helps others to find us. You can also check us out on our website, oxygenstarve.com, and our Instagram page, O2 Starved. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon.
0: Thanks, everyone.
2: Thanks for joining
0: us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod in Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.